Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. It's awesome to see you. Thank you for being here. If you're looking at it, all you're thinking about right now is, dude, why is KB wearing a Nebraska Huskers sweatshirt? Why is he repping the Corn Huskers? I just got this today. It was a gift. You know who gave me the gift? This is a name drop. Brand new Nebraska Corn Huskers head coach, Matt Rule. He just took the job. He was on Good Morning Football with us twice last week. Hung out. Awesome guy. Really chill. Easy to talk to. Great during commercial breaks. Takes the Nebraska job and sent a sweatshirt. I like it. I feel like I was classically trained on the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Tom Osborne teams. I grew up loving them. I used to like Carlos Polk, middle linebacker, war number one. I understand he's an NFL assistant coach now. It's really cool. So I like the Huskers. I also like a lot of things we have going on today. You know what I love? Guys, have you seen the NFL schedule for this weekend? It's Wednesday. We're looking ahead. Have you seen the matchups? It's great. I think it's the best regular season week we've had this season in terms of just game, 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 game. We don't have the crappy ones. We don't have Panthers-Cardinals. If we do, I don't even know. But I, I have five games that I love. Love. Uh, also, we have a mystery on our hands. Thanks to, uh, thanks to our guy, number 17 for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. We were talking movies yesterday like we always do. And we were talking about Major League. And he said, let it loose that there is a, a movie, that he, a sports movie, that he has big problems with. And it has to do with the fact that it was based on a real-life story, allegedly. And he wouldn't let the movie out. Wouldn't say what it was. We have theories on what it is. We have your theories, my theories, and maybe next week when Josh comes back, we will talk about the facts of what that movie is for him. Also, have you put up your Christmas lights, your holiday lights? If you decorate your home around this time of year, have you done it? Do you like doing that? Some people do. I have mixed emotions about it, and we have thoughts about that as well. Uh, the Brandt family house is decorated. I'll tell you what went in, into that, and um, maybe you can relate to it in some way. It's tough. It's really tough. Let's go to the sky cam. I want to start the show. I'm excited about today's show. Here we go. Come on, just right over the front of the rim. That's what I tell my son. Just over the front of the rim. Come on, just just easy. Ah! It was over the front of the rim, but it was off the back of the rim. That sucks. Difficult sport, that basketball. So you know what you do? You just wash it away, cleanse the palate with what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. If you're someone like me where the week can be rough, sometimes it sucks, it really beats you down, you look forward to that Sunday afternoon, whatever part of the country you live in, the one o'clock kickoff, noon, I used to live in California, it's a 10 a.m. kickoff, and you start looking at that next week, like Monday or Tuesday, man, this week's going to suck, but let's see what games we got coming up, let's see how I can set my fantasy lineup, and sometimes you look at the schedule and it's just, oh man, the games don't sync up, the good teams are playing the bad teams, and that's just the way the ball bounces. Not this week. This is one of the good ones. You wait for this week. You love this week because they're all lining up. Uh, we have five games this week. Five of the, the number five game, I'm going to rank them for you. The number five game would be the number one game in other weeks. I really mean it. Let's get right into it. My number five game on the NFL slate this weekend. This is getting cold. Have a little peppermint bark, make a little fire, and you set up and you watch the number five game, the Commanders at the Giants. This is a cool thing. It is a hashtag scheduling quirk that for the uh, Washington Commanders, both of their next two games are against the Giants. They play the Giants twice in a row. 
Giants by Giants. They're seven and five. The Giants are seven and four, and it feels like their elevator's going a different direction, doesn't it? Feels like you're at the mall and you're on the escalator and you're going down and you see your friend. Oh, hey, how you doing? And they're going up. Oh, yeah, we should we should uh, talk later. I, I can't text you because it's the '90s and we're at the mall. And we don't have smartphones. That's the Commanders and that's the Giants right now. I say it all the time, in the, um, especially in the morning. Good morning, football. If you really listen closely, it sounds like the air is coming out of the New York Giants. It's not a massive leak. It's a tiny one. Like you set your kid up with an inflatable pool or something in your yard, and it looks great, but then two hours later, it's just a pancake, and they're lying there and crying because all the water's out because there was a little leak. feels like the Giants was a little leak. They've dealt with some really bad injuries. They've dealt with Daniel Jones being Daniel Jones. They've dealt with Saquon getting really bottled up. And they've dealt with the, the magic seems to be out of the out of the out of the bottle. What does the magic come out of? I don't know. Whatever the case is, the magic's coming out of their their play because the Brian Dable hire seems great, but you just can't fix everything. And they just can't get the mojo going they had in September. I think it's perfect. Back to the escalator thing. In September, we were all laughing at the commanders. They were terrible. Really bad. And it's the Carson Wentz pinata, and you whack away at that. And it's the Washington Commanders pinata. Easy targets abound. Carson Wentz on the Commanders, that is two easy targets within its Russian nesting dolls of easy targets. And then since then, they just started winning games. Left, right, they don't care. Don't laugh at our team name. Laugh at our weird uniforms. Laugh at our Sean Taylor tribute. You don't laugh at us in the scoreboard, do you? Not anymore. Not where it matters. They just keep on winning. And I'm going to say it again. I think they're going to go to the Giants and win. I think they're going to go to 8-5. and five. I think the Giants are going to fall to 7-5. and five. And the Commanders are a sensation. The Giants, they've switched places. I, I, like, the, I like the Commanders a lot. It, as we say it all the time, never pretty. Oh, man, I had a, got an incredible tweet this morning from somebody. I wish I could credit them. Um, he was talking about the Commanders. I'm going to try to pull it up because he really pulled from the headlines. This guy, I'm talking about the Commanders on Good Morning Football. And he tweets, oh, Dan Riley, the commanders are the Pete Davidson of NFL teams. Nothing attractive, appealing, or flashy about them, but they get the job done and keep racking up W's. Wow. I haven't read that in a few hours, and it hit me again. I don't know if there's nothing attractive about Pete Davidson. I don't say that. He's got this intangible thing that the women just love. But the Commanders have an intangible thing that I love. I really do like them. I think they're going to win this weekend. That's enough, that, Guys, that's the fifth best game. I just went off about that thing. Then we started the show with it. And I'm like, all right, let's move on to what I hate. No, no, no. That's only the fifth game. Number four. Titans at Eagles. Yeah. Titans at Eagles. I like Philadelphia. I said this week they're going to go to the NFC title game. I believe in them. I think they're going to lose this game. It has nothing to do with them. Just hear me out. The Eagles are good from top to bottom, absolutely loaded, like almost a perfect assembly of talent. Howie Roseman just smoking a big fat cigar. It's a matter of the Titans. I can't see them going to seven and five. The Titans are a buoy. You cannot pull it underwater. It just sits there and bobs. And sometimes you think it's going to go under and it goes all the way down like this, but then it goes boom. You can't, the Mike Vrabel Titans are unsinkable. Can't do it. There is some sort of buoyancy that they have that just keeps them above water and keeps them relevant. They are going to go to the playoffs. They will make it. And I just, seven and five, you're training the wrong way. You've lost two games in a row. I just feel like they will find a way in them to beat the Eagles. It's a tough ask. Philadelphia at home, no joke. They've only lost one game all year. And I know it's maybe blow somebody's hair back or piss some people off. What do you mean? The Eagles are way better. I think they are better. You lose sometimes. 
you just lose to tough teams, whether it's at home, on the road. Uh, I think Derrick Henry was totally bottled up last week. Just didn't do much at all. Had a massive fumble. That was his most notable play as he was crossing into the end zone. Tannehill's been quiet. When the Titans get quiet and they're not doing anything, that's when they remind everybody, hi, we do count. We're a good team. I think this is the reminder week. And the Eagles you know, get a little late in the season, maybe a little, little complacent. They got their loss. And I think the Titans win this week. That's the fourth best game. Third best game, Mike White versus Kirk Cousins. Mm, this one's rich. Jets go to Vikings. My feelings on Mike White are well uh, documented. I like him. I root for him. I do not think he is God's gift or the next greatest thing or the future franchise quarterback of New York Jets. I don't. I think it could be rough this weekend. And if it's not rough, it'll be next week against Buffalo. I just don't think that he's going to come out and start doing target practice like he did last week against the Bears. We've seen this with Mike White. He's had some incredible performances last year. And the Mike White hive was buzzing and the New York Daily News and the Post were doing all their wordplay with the word white. And it was white lightning and the white knight. And it, they, they were just going. And then he threw four interceptions against Buffalo last year and it was absolute disaster. I, I, the Mike White thing is a little like the Jets thing. Up and down and up and down. But maybe he's wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, rather. Maybe he's right. I hope he proves me wrong. He seems like a really cool guy. And then meanwhile, like the Vikings... If you always think that the rap on the Vikings, Schrager's always talking about in the morning, is the game after the game, they always lose. Like, they'll, oh my gosh, they won the big game, or they won a big game, and then they beat Buffalo in Buffalo. Miraculous circumstances. Then they lost 40-3 to to the Cowboys. Oh, but then they're back, and they beat the New England Patriots. That's great. Did they lose to the Mike White Jets now at home? That's a bad cycle. That's a bad team. That's what they do. But that's the reason to tune in. That's the number three game. That's the number three. Number two, Chiefs at Bengals. Hell yes. Hell yes. Chiefs at Bengals, Mahomes and Burrow. Oh my God, Kelsey. Jamar Chase is supposed to be back. He's going to be out there. I will never forget watching the end of that AFC title game. It shocked. I could not believe the Chiefs blew it. I just couldn't believe that Mahomes blew it. Mahomes has had this small collection of playoff losses in his career, and every single one of them up to that moment was really not his fault up to and including his first playoff loss, which is the AFC title game against the Tom Brady Patriots, in which he didn't get the ball in overtime. Coin flip cost him. He was unstoppable in the second half. That wasn't his fault. You know, the Super Bowl loss to the Buccaneers, it was the greatest performance anyone's ever seen. And he lost, but like the, the Chiefs lose, and you're like, oh, but Mahomes is incredible. They lost to the Bengals in that title game, and it was like, oh, Mahomes really messed up, didn't he? Couldn't finish it in regulation, was running around, getting sacked, and then goes into overtime, does get the ball, immediately throws an interception. That was on him, and whatever. He's not, it's, eventually, you're going to have some playoff losses that are your fault, but that was really like his first one. And it was the Bengals that did that to him. The Bengals. And it was the Bengals' defense. Can't wait for that game. And then everyone is on the Bengals right now. They are the hot team in the AFC. The Niners are in the NFC, and the Bengals are in the AFC is this team that everyone's grabbing on to about, I want to be right. I want to nail the team that's going to be in the title game or maybe the Super Bowl. I'm on the Bengals. Hold on to me as you fly into the sky in the stratosphere of the AFC. Bengals. A lot of love right now on them. They just, they're getting healthy. Great win last week. They just look good. So they win this game. And they beat the Chiefs. Oh my gosh, the Bengal <laughs> gonna be the full Bengal gasm across the entire NFL landscape. They'll be everywhere. Um, I think the Chiefs win. The Chiefs are awesome. They're really good. I think the Chiefs win. But number one, number one game. Number all right, so I, I we say this a lot this time of year. I say it constantly. 
If I had told you in August <laughs> that the number one game as we head into December of the week, and a week that is full of it, is Dolphins at 49ers, you're like, what? You're telling me that this Tua guy who sucks versus Trey Lance who hasn't done anything is the game of the week? I'll do you one better. It's not Trey Lance. It's Jimmy. And you'd be like, well, I, I thought they are going to trade Jimmy. They're going to trade him to Carolina or the Seahawks or something. No, Jimmy's there. Jimmy's cruising. They're 7-4. and four. The defense is insane. Oh, also Christian McCaffrey's on the team. What? Yeah, he is. It's great. And the Dolphins, remember that weird head coach they hired from the 49ers? He's amazing. He is? He seems strange. He doesn't look like a coach. I know. They like it. And Tua? How, yeah, how's Tua doing? I thought he was going to suck. Oh, Tua might be the best player in football this year. What? It's all happening. This game's great. It's, it's, it's everything you, you want in a game. It's like everything that every media storyline is just feasting on. The Dolphins' offense versus the Niners' defense. That first play, the Dolphins get the ball. Let's say they receive the opening kickoff, first and 10 on the 25. Let's go. Let's go. Bring it on, Fred Warner and Bosa. We got Waddles running back here, Tyreek. Like, what's, what do they do on the first play? What's McDaniels got dialed up? What's the Niners' D have dialed up? D'Amico Rice. It's so good. That game's great. And what is this Dolphins defense? They don't have much of an identity because everyone's about the offense. The Niners offense has an identity. It's like, pound the ball, give it to McCaffrey now. Jimmy doesn't look too bad, doesn't make too many mistakes. I can't wait for this game. Because, listen, it's so super basic and super uh, played out to say it's a Super Bowl preview. I don't think it is. I'm not, I've said this before on the show this week. I don't, I'm not ready to say Miami is going to win the AFC. Just haven't been tested in the playoffs at all. Now, the Niners for sure could win the NFC. Let's get into this, though. Dolphins, Niners, and uh, I like the Dolphins in this game. As much as I love the Niners, I like the Dolphins even on the road. Can you imagine that? Tua goes to 9-0 as a starter and a finisher. Woo! Uh, and then they got some business to settle with the Bills. It's, it's all great. It's, we all win. We all win this weekend. Great, great uh, slate of games. But let's get into something that I hate, and it takes me out into the front yard. Let's go. talking through the show today with uh, the production staff here at Kyle Brandt's Basement, and, you know, we trying to think about the what I hate with the Cobra Kai. Like, what, what do we hate today? Not much. You know, the, the, it's a great week of games, as I just said, and no massive injuries or ending people's seasons. Like, what do we hate? And then we saw a tweet. I saw a tweet from Simon Holland. Simon Holland, who you should follow on Twitter. I've followed him for a while. Simon Holland is this guy. He says... A string of Christmas lights that doesn't work is the worst. Luckily, last year, I put all those strands back in the bin with the good ones so I can be mad again this year. <laughs> Simon, I feel you, man. I, 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 I read that tweet and I, oh, I got like a little stomach ache and like a little bit of a sore throat. Like, God, I've been standing there next to that bin doing the same thing. Have you done this yet? If you haven't, you're slacker. Um, Saturday after Thanksgiving is a tradition unlike any other. If you're someone who decorates your house, and I do, that's when you get after it. Now, just a little bit of context for me. I would say on a scale of 1 to 10 for the house decorations, 1 being, uh, oh, I don't do that stuff, I hate it, it's, it's, I resent everything it stands for, and 10 being you're one of those imbeciles that's like on HGTV that every year spends $200,000 on Christmas decorations and like it is whole, your whole identity 
and your community comes around and stands and laughs at you, I mean, uh, enjoys the work that you've been doing, that's the 10. I would put the Brandt family at a 6.5. 6.5. We, uh, we do have an inflatable, the kids live for it. We have an inflatable gingerbread house that makes an archway that goes over like the little steps up to our front door. And it seems like it'd be a huge pain in the ass for the Amazon delivery people, and we know they're here, and the mail carriers, but we talk to them about it, and we apologize, and they're like, oh, it's great. And they probably hate it, because they have to duck under the thing, kind of. But the kids love it. We got some light-up candy canes, and we have these um, kind of kitschy, old-fashioned light-up bulbs that go down the little walkway between the steps and the street. So it's 6.5. We spend some time, but we're not maniacs, and we're not um, Scrooges. But isn't it just like, it's one of those things you do that is tradition, but also you also kind of hate. <laughs> it's, it's a bizarre thing to put a finger on that, man, I love decorating for Christmas. Man, I hate decorating for Christmas. And a lot of it has to do with this very Griswoldian Christmas light thing with the electricity and the process of taking the stuff out and then it's wicked stepbrother putting them back at the end. Because they're always broken, or even worse than being broken, sort of broken. Um, Taking you into my world, and I'm, this it becomes exacerbated for me this time of year, because let me introduce you to the wonderful world of having a storage unit. Ugh. We rent a public storage unit because we have so much crapola that we can't store it in our garage or our basement or our closets. So we decide that we want to pay, I don't know what the hell it is. It's on automatic withdrawal. I think it's like 200 bucks a month or something to have a storage unit that is like 2.1 miles away in a padlock and a garage door and a code. And like, I've never had it in my life, but um, I have it now and I've had it for the past year or so. And most of that is just Christmas junk. And some of it is like these really precious ornaments that were hand-me-downs or that we bought when our kids were babies. And some of it is like legitimate, like cool, oh, I love this like stuffed elf that we put at the top of the stairs. I like that. But then so much of it is just garbage that we can't throw away. And not only do we not throw it away, we pack it up with care, with great care. Like you would hang the stockings. I'm wrapping up this awful, awful stupid snow globe that we don't even like and every year on the Saturday Thanksgiving you can take it out and you don't know what it is and it's kind of fun because it's like opening presents and it's all wrapped in tissue and you take it out and you're like ooh what is this? oh it's the snow globe and you just set it aside and try to go for something better and now the kids do that too but that snow globe fast forward to like January 5th or something I'm gonna be wrapping that up and put it in the same stupid box and put it in the car and schlep it back to the storage unit and padlock and all. It's just this cycle that we're on that we can't break. And Simon Holland's tweet was great. It's the electricity factor that I'm not great at and I'm, my DIY stuff is really low and my wife does incredible stuff with the decorations. She gets out there and she puts on that Cousin Eddie hat and her boots and she's, she's into it and she's planting things in the ground and she's all over. She's got 50 different extension cords. It makes my skin crawl. I just want to go inside and drink and watch TV. But, you know, you can't have your wife out there doing that forever. You got to go out and help. And um, this year I got summoned, too. That was bad. I was laying back and doing those things. She's like, can, can, can you come out, please? Like, yeah, that's my bad. Um, so we made the mistake this year, too, of she's lining up all these lights. And she's, they line the walkway, so you're planting it and planting it and planting it. And then they're running up the stairway, uh, you know, like the rails. And it's just this pretty elaborate 
electric their electrical concoction and she's put a lot of time in already and then I start jumping in and I go you did you test the lights before we put them on did you before we like spend all this time and sweat equity and everything like installing did you test them no Christ and she makes a joke about it she says oh I'm sure it'll be fine so we line them up and we spent a couple hours on it and thankfully it was a mild day and sure enough you have that moment if you're stupid like me and wait till the end where it's just the classic Clark Griswold and you plug it in now they come on because I'm not an idiot but like there's this pattern and it's red yellow green orange red yellow green orange red yellow green orange all the way up the walkway it's very pleasing to the eye very perfect for the gram and it goes red yellow green orange red yellow green red yellow green orange I'm like there's one orange light that is not coming on and and then you, you 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 mess with it and you screw it in you do stupid things like blowing on it as if that does anything and you unscrew it you screw it back in but then like you're cold and now the kids are getting out of control it's very hard very hard and so we have this one orange light on our walkway that doesn't work if you're one of my neighbors watching this you can walk by the house and see the stupid orange light and you can't get a replacement because everything is back ordered and it's it's very frustrating. So like, it's a nice Christmas majesty that we have set up in this very finite, precious time in our lives when we have young children who are into the magic of Christmas and we really wanna foster that and run with it. And then you know what drives me crazy is that stupid orange light. That's all I'm thinking of. I'm not thinking about that my daughter really believes that the reindeer are gonna land on our house or in the next morning on December 26th, we look for reindeer footprints in the snow. Like it's all very beautiful. You know what I'm pissed about? the stupid orange light and I can't get it right. I was trying to find some, someone was saying that um, to the Simon Holland tweet, <laughs> they were saying that, oh, there's always one um, one dead Christmas light and uh, what you gotta use for that one with is like, it's like a bridge, you just use it as, because it still has power, it just doesn't light up. So you use it as an extension cord to get to the other lights. I'm like, God, that is absolutely perfect. Um, I don't know, I'll find it somewhere else. but. Uh, please send me uh, any of your Christmas reactions, any of your like, man, here's the worst part of Christmas decorating, or here's the best part. Let's try to keep it positive. I know it says what I hate behind me. I love Christmas decorating, but I think I hate that I love it. And <laughs> if that doesn't say the holiday season, I don't know what does. Um, let's get on though to what's hilarious. Come on, let's go. Okay, so yesterday Josh Allen came on like he does every Tuesday, and we were talking about Major League, the Charlie Sheen movie from 1987, um, baseball movie, iconic, love it, really well done sports movie, R-rated, just everybody likes that movie. He watched it, loved it, and he doesn't always love the movies that we give him as part of the Josh Allen Film Festival, but if you're just seeing this now, every week we assign him a movie to watch that came out from before he was born, 1996. So this was well before it in 87, and he's going on about how much he likes it, and he says, um, you know, I like it, uh, it's, not, it's not based on a true story, right? I'm like, no, no, no. He goes, okay, because sometimes, do we have the clip, or should I just, should I just describe it? Um, sometimes, sometimes there's movies that say they're based on a true story, and I don't like that, and that you can tell they're not, and then he goes... You know, there's one movie in, that in particular, and I go, oh, really? You know, is it Rudy? Because I know a lot of NFL players that hate Rudy, <laughs> which is fine. I like Rudy. But he goes, yeah, Rudy, but, you know, there's another one that my teammates know about that uh, I'm not going to say because it would ruffle some feathers. 
And I was like, wow, damn, Josh, it's just a movie. But he wouldn't say it. And then he said, ruffle some feathers. So now we have kind of like a little bit of a whodunit or a mystery in the sense of what is this movie? This sports movie that apparently has ties to real life events that Josh is calling BS on because it's not something you, the viewer, where like Josh finished and we got off and he said, oh, by the way, that movie was this. I don't know what it is. I don't know. We talked about it on NFL Network this morning. We did a whole segment about it in which we said, what movie do you think it is? And we went around and Peter said, well, it's Josh Allen. He hurdles over people. He, the sports movie he doesn't like is White Men Can't Jump. Funny answer, but White Men Can't Jump not rooted in uh, real life events. I wish there was a real Billy Hoyle, but I don't think there is. And um, Jamie said, uh, Jamie Erdahl said the um, the water boy, because it's, you know, Southern football, that, and she's, he's like from a different region of the country, and that just doesn't register with him. And then, which is also not a real life event. There was never a water boy who played for Henry Winkler and became a linebacker for the team. Um, and then I said, all right, I'm thinking that, you know, it showed this little edge to Josh. He's like, ah, that movie, I don't like that movie. Like, it was like, and it kind of came out of nowhere. And Josh's edge comes out here and there, but usually with movies, he's so happy. So I'm like, what gives Josh that kind of edge? Like, what would he feel that passionate about? And there's certain things in his life that I think he has a chip on his shoulder about, and one of them was his college recruiting. It's pretty well documented. Didn't have the offers, didn't get the ride to Fresno that he grew up idolizing. Went to community college, junior college, and then eventually got the scholarship to Wyoming. But I think he has always had a chip on his shoulder that served him really well about this college recruiting process and how he was overlooked. So I said, I think it's The Blind Side. The Michael Orr movie with Sandra Bullock. Because I was re-watching some clips of it this morning. There's a lot of it about his college recruiting, how everyone is obsessed with him. And it's predicated on this absurd highlight that they constructed in the movie of Michael Orr driving some high school kid clear out of the play, through the sideline, through the high school track, and over the fence and into the mom concession stand where they're selling hot dogs. And then everybody from Phil Fulmer to Nick Saban to Lou Holtz is watching it on their gateway computer. Oh my God, this is incredible. It was like they were trying to show something goes viral as when that movie came out. This is what it looks like. And it's just BS, and I don't think anybody really buys it. And certainly Michael Ora has a lot of opinions about the Michael Ora movie, and they were not good. But the movie was fine. It worked and everything. But I'm like, I think it's The Blind Side. I think people like that movie, and I think Josh doesn't like because he thinks the recruiting part is BS. That is just my theory. Just my theory. You guys have theories. You, I said to you, what movie do you think he's talking about? What could it be that would ruffle feathers him not liking it and that he did not want to admit on the air? Let's get to your suggestions. What do you think it is? You came in hard. This guy, the green apple, or this girl, I don't know, the green apple they call themselves. There it is. All right, so they agree with me. What movie is it and why The Blind Side? I think it's The Blind Side too. Now, the hope is, the hope is that next week Josh comes on and he will admit to us what the movie is. We don't know if he'll be into that. Probably beating the Patriots on Thursday night would, would help with that. By the way, I didn't even include Bill's Patriots in my top five games of the week. Incredible game. All right, this one, this guy, Aaron, or Earth's girl, says... Please don't let it be Varsity Blues. And with a, a, a gif of Billy Bob, who I believe passed away. Um, Varsity Blues, not based on a real movie. And I think Josh Allen loves Varsity Blues. How could you not? Next tweet. Let's try to find this out. I really want, I would love it if we could stick the landing. All right, come on. Now we're just being ridiculous. Shooter McGavin, that's the actual Shooter McGavin personality online, who's a funny guy, correspondent sometimes. He thinks it's the sudden death, the Jean-Claude Van Damme hockey movie. I have a whole side take on that movie that is going to distract us from this mission. Can you imagine that the NHL <laughs> decided, sure, 
you want to do a movie about it, someone's going to blow up one of our arenas with a bomb and kill everybody, you can use our teams. We'll give you the Penguins and the Blackhawks. We'd be more than happy to let you use our teams. Insane. But I don't think it's sudden death, although that'd be great. All right, now let's get real. Benjamin Kelly tweets, Remember the Titans was complete fiction. Now I think we got something. Because Remember the Titans is a very well-liked movie. That's, people are very personal, very emotional about that movie. They enjoy it. Denzel performance and all that. I think it would piss people off if Josh was to call BS on Remember the Titans. And there is, listen, it, it was based on a real events, a real stories. You know, there's based on a true story and then there was inspired by real events. They get real loosey-goosey in Hollywood with that language. I think Remember the Titans is a clubhouse favorite for what the movie is. It's football. It's based on real events. They definitely were BSing with a lot of the facts, and Josh would say would ruffle some feathers him not liking it. Next. I, th- that is one of the clubhouse leaders. There can only be one clubhouse leader. It's top three. Mark K says, I'm going to eyeball, I'm going eyeball scene in any given Sunday. Go Bills. The any given Sunday, he's showing the, um, the Al Pacino speech at the end in the, in the red shirt and the black suit. I, any given Sunday is a possible it's not inspired by real events, though, guys. Like that, there was. There's no Miami Sharks. It's just not a thing, and it would piss people off because I think people like that movie. I, I'm not a big fan of Any Given Sunday. I don't think that's it, though. Not real events. Next, all right. Robert A has got a lot of thoughts. This is good. He says Josh is probably talking about the movie Invincible, which was a great movie, but mostly BS. A 30 year old just doesn't walk onto a pro team with no experience because he can run fast. Go Bills. All right, well, you said a lot there, uh, Robert. Vince Papali, that did happen. I mean, he that's, that is true. Vince Papali uh, was on the Eagles, and he did kind of walk on at a tryout. Great creative license was taken with that movie. You know, I, I hate to name drop again. I know Vince Papali a little bit. We text sometimes. We met years ago, and he's an awesome, gregarious, fun-loving guy. And we text every now and then because we just both like football and we text about the Eagles. That could be it, though, because I think Josh would think if I said Invincible is total BS, that would piss off Eagles fans. And I don't think he'd want to do that, especially, let's be honest, his fans and Eagles fans might be in Arizona in February together, and we'd all love that. Invincible is in the the conversation for sure. Next. But Invincible did happen. It's just there was a lot of BS that happened around the movie. Is that it? Um, oh, come on, get out of here with the air, bud. I'm looking at a gif of a gold retriever wearing high tops. If anything, <laughs> I would go the air bud volleyball movie, which is called air bud spikes back. Uh, but no, I don't think it's air bud. Although I, you can certainly, guys, again, air bud not inspired by real events. There was not a golden retriever playing basketball. That is a key piece of the puzzle we're trying to figure out. Inspired by real events. Okay, he might, Star Wars didn't really happen. He might have problems with Star Wars, but it didn't happen. We're looking for movies that actually happened. And let's just narrow this down. And then, we'll, and then we'll, we'll finish, because I got to get through this. Um, sports movies based on true stories over the last 25 years. There's, this, there's this, a small list, and I'm going fl- to fly through it and say if I think it's possible. All right? We'll start in the year 2000. Remember the Titans? already mentioned it. Definitely possible. The Rookie, that's a Dennis Quaid baseball movie. I don't think it has that much of a foothold on pop culture. I don't think that's it. Radio, no, no. Seabiscuit, do you think Josh is triggered by thoroughbred racing? Seabiscuit was a champion horse. Tobey Maguire starves himself. I don't think that's it. 
This is good. This is very good. Friday Night Lights. Not the show, the movie. Billy Bob Thornton, um, Connie Britton, who plays the wife in both the show and the movie. That's very good because I think Josh loves high school football. And uh, that is true story. Permian High School, you know, and um, they get the, the finale of the high school state championship game is ludicrous. It's, they take a lot of liberties with how high school football actually goes. That is on the list. All right, Will Selva, our newsman at Good Morning Football, floated this. If you want something that is that Josh would be loath to talk about purely because it would piss people off if he didn't like it, Miracle. Miracle on Ice, Herb Brooks, you know it, you've seen it, Kirk Douglas, like, or not Kirk Douglas, yeah. Um, you would, if you came out and said, I don't like that movie, it's all BS, that didn't really happen. They, they, there's all kinds of nonsense they said that went into beating the Soviets. People would be like, Josh, chill out, man. The World Cup team is advancing. It's a time of holidays. Don't hit Miracle. I'm putting that on the list. Cinderella Man, no. Coach Carter, no. Uh, Kurt Russell. Did I say Kurt Douglas? Kurt Russell. You know who I meant. Kurt Russell. Sorry, Kurt. I love you. Uh, Glory Road, no. Gridiron Gang, no. Invincible, we mentioned. We Are Marshall. It's about a bunch of college kids who died in a plane crash. I don't think Josh has We Are Marshall takes. Invictus, Matt Damon movie about soccer, no. The Blind Side, I mentioned. The Fighter. Care about the Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale boxing movie? Are you going to call BS on that and say it was... Maybe, maybe, probably not. Moneyball? No. Here's another one. This is a ringer. Draft Day. Okay, this is better than The Longest Yard. Or this is better... Never mind The Longest Yard. This is better than The Blind Side. Draft Day. It's inspired by real events in the sense that the draft is a real-life event, and there's a lot of real-life people in that movie, like Rich Eisen and Roger Goodell and tons of them. But the the Chadwick Boseman player and the quarterback player, those aren't real people. So it wasn't inspired by real-life events in that sense, in which the Browns drafted that linebacker. But uh, obviously, look, Josh was passed over on the NFL draft, and... He probably have a lot of opinions on how the draft is operated and everything, so maybe it's draft day. That makes the list. Uh, concussion? <laughs> Man, that's pretty dark. Tell the truth! Tell the truth! Will Smith was going for it on that one. No, I don't think it's concussion. So here's my finalist, and we'll make a list. Remember the Titans? Friday Night Lights? Um, the Blind Side? Draft Day? And I, th- I, th- I think that's it. Do we have four finalists? Those are the four that I think. Am I missing any? I might have, it may not be one more. Oh, Miracle. Miracle, okay? One more time. Remember the Titans, Friday Night Lights, Miracle, The Blind Side, Draft Day. Those are the five movies that I think it is. Because you know, Josh, he might not want to tell us. He might just say, no, no, no. So I'm going to put those five up. And Is it one of these? And then maybe what we'll do, if, if he'll say yes, then we'll eliminate one and we'll say, is it one of these four? We'll have a whole game with it. Hopefully he beats the Patriots. Probably will. But we'll find out. That's it. If you're missing any, I weigh in on the five finalists, guys. And then if I'm saying, no, 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 you're forgetting this one, give us that too. In the meantime, though, it's time for Takes on Takes. Let's go. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at indeed.com slash basement. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash basement. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Numbers. I got them. I'm going to use them. You know how this works. Takes on takes. We have two uh, provocateurs or opinionists or talking heads, whatever you want to call them. And by them, I mean us. I do it too. And you, we, they each have a take, and we rate each of their takes based on delivery, creativity, and heat. Delivery, creativity, heat. And I will give them a rating. If I was just to randomly do it, they have eight. Really good rating. And then whoever has the better rating wins. This is my take on their takes. Let's get into it right now. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman has been in takes on takes one time. He won. He is 1-0, career record in takes on takes, and he got a seven in his single appearance. He is back. He is on Amazon. He has been great in the media, as we know he would be for years. Richard Sherman on his own podcast with the volume, talking about Jets quarterback Mike White. Go ahead. Imagine if he was the number two overall pick and he was playing like this. They'd be so they'd be they'd be saying everything they were, they were saying about Trevor Lawrence about him. Hey, like this is what he came in to do. Like that's what I hate about this league. I hate the pedigrees. I hate oh the scouts had this guy. He had all this talent. His ceiling is so high. It's shut up. Either they can play or they can't play. Like shut up. I don't want to hear his ceiling. I don't want to hear potential. I don't want what did what happened when he got on the field. He played. Did he play well? Did he, did he live up to the expectations? He didn't? Then don't say anything else about him. I don't care, care about potential. Potential is the most overused, overrated thing I've ever heard. And that's all you hear with these quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks. Potential, potential, potential. I'm a production guy. Production, production, production. Mike White has production. And if this was the number two pick in a draft, if we just took everything away and swapped the stories of Zach Wilson and Mike White, and it was just Mike White drafted too, and he's playing this well, and his teammates are saying this about him. You'd be like, the, the, hey, they made the right pick. Like, man, look, at they got a franchise guy. And, but since he was a fifth-round pick, since he's an unheralded guy, you're not talking about, oh, well, they found their franchise quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. Oh, that's great. That was really good. One of the worst words in the NFL is potential. I'm a production guy. In the first 10 seconds... He said hate three times. He used the expression, I don't care. He said shut up two times. It's a hell of a box score. It's not subtle or lost on me at all that he's going on and on about how much he likes Mike White, the fifth-round draft pick. Uh, Richard Sherman, fifth-round draft pick, drafted 154th overall out of Stanford and goes on to have this prolific career and do all the things that he did, and now he's a media star. That was good. I love Richard Sherman's stuff because he's not – He's not worried about statistics. He's not worried about the structure of what he's saying. And he's just going. 
and I've said this before in the segments, I've seen it a million times, in this sports media machine that we either consume or work in, you will take a charismatic, smart, successful NFL player who gets out of plane and he puts on a suit and he goes to a desk and they coach him up and they mold him and they teach him about television nuance and broadcasting subtleties and they lose him and they ruin him. And I've seen it and I will not name names, but I have seen it for years that man, this guy in the field afterwards talking to Sal Pal or Aaron Andrews, whoever just has it. And then they get in that studio and I don't recognize them because they're doing what some network broadcast coach advised them to do. And I've seen them. Guys, there's formulas, and the broadcast boot camp has done a lot of good. And Nate Burleson went there, and Jason McCourty came there and went there, and guys that I care about and have worked with for years. But it ruins guys, too. There's formulas. And they'll tell you, you sit down, and you you start out by um, getting right to your opinion immediately, and then you want to back it up with a statistic. And then if you can add your own personal experience from the playing field, that's the formula. And it's like, don't, don't, don't do that. Just go. Just talk and be yourself. Don't adhere to a formula or any kind of mold or template. If you don't want to do a statistic, then don't do a damn statistic. If you got one that you like and you can get it out cleanly and quickly, do it. But, man, there's so many guys. There's guys who should have been superstars, and they're just like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, because the problem is these athletes, they're very coachable, and they're used to being coached, and a lot of them are hungry to be coached. So all of a sudden, the person chirping at them is their new defensive coordinator, and they're teaching them the scheme here at the table, and they listen, and they're good at doing what they're coached to do. I don't think that a lot of them should be coached. Many of them should. Richard Sherman should not, and he hasn't been. I'm sure he has been. Don't get me wrong, but... He's still going to be himself. So I'm going to give that a big fat eight because it was raw, personal, powerful. And it was like raw talent on the field. Like it was Randy Moss. It was just, just go. I'm not going to worry so much about Randy's hip level when he's coming out of his route as a rookie. I'm going to let the dude run. We're going to have nuances to the game. Richard Sherman, he'll improve himself because he wants to do this for a long time. And he'll work on tiny little nuances that can make him better. But right now he's just running. And let's go. And he's a production guy. He does have a lot of potential. He's got production. He's got an eight. There's an eight. There's no, there's no humor to it. I like a little bit of humor sometimes, but I don't care. I don't need it. Eight. Eight. Who's he going up against? Richard Sherman standing there being like an eight. Who's going to take me out? Oh, here we go. You know what might shock you or might not shock you to know that Stephen A. Smith has done takes on takes seven times. Seven. He is our most consistent taker. But he's only won twice. Stephen A. has a 2-5 and five career record, and he averages a 6.4 score. So his average score will come well below Richard Sherman's 8. And yet he's in that batter's box, spitting on his hands, loosening up, ready to hit a jack. And Stephen A. on ESPN's first take wonders why the Dallas Cowboys even need Odell Beckham Jr. Go ahead. Fair enough. Cowboys would be better with OBJ because OBJ's a bad brother when healthy. We know the brother's a playmaker. We get all that. That ain't the damn point, Keyshawn, with your slick self. Well, that's Here's what she the asked point. me. I'm getting ready to answer tell you why Wait. I'm calling you slick. What is it? Because what you're not bringing up is the fact, <laughs> why, why, why you got to go all in if you the Cowboys? What, you scared? You scared that you ain't got enough? 
Is that what this is? Are you Everybody scared? Everybody tries scared? to get oh, better. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you scared you don't have enough? Don't, don't, don't look like that. Don't look like that, Mina. You got, you got CeeDee Lamb. You, you got Michael Gallup back. Okay, Schultz is in the house. All right, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard is there. Uh, 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 Dak Prescott is there. You even got a backup in Cooper Rush. You got an offensive line. What you need more for? What you need for more? Is it possible that they insecure? Is it possible that they scared? Is it possible that the Dallas Cowboys know? Oh my God, let's hedge our bets at every turn. All right, this is really good. You know, I was prepared to say that I feel for Stephen A. Because he's hamstrung by being in what you call a triple box. You know, it's, it's him and two other faces. And that can be distracting for the viewer. And it can be distracting for him while you're delivering your take. Is that these other people, and they're not going to his single shot. They're leaving him up. So while you're talking and you see the monitor is on, showing what the people at home are seeing. There's these two other faces and you're cognizant of them and maybe they're making a face and they do that a lot on, on, on first take where someone will be aghast and make this exasperated face or someone will be laughing or even someone will just walk out of frame. So it can be distracting and it can really in a lot of way eat away at your take or sabotage your concentration. But then I forgot I was dealing with the master. Stephen A wielded it. Wielded it. Stephen A used it. Stephen A said... No, 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 don't make that face, Mina, and kept going. Did not even break stride. And it's perfect, because you, you address what the audience is seeing in that Mina and Keyshawn are making faces, but you're not letting it stop you down. You're not going to pause, because then the, the satellite delay will kick in and get everybody into a car accident. You're just going to keep on going. That take was good. If, if this, is, this is why we do takes on takes, because when I say it was good, it was kind of preposterous, and he was out over his skis, and that's why the other two were incredulous, because what, what, what do you mean? Like, they, they're trying to add a really good player so they can win a Super Bowl, just like the Rams did last year. The Rams were good, but they're like, oh, we should, we should definitely have Odell on our team because he might be able to make a couple of plays in some big games win the Super Bowl. That's what Cowboys are thinking. It's a very rational, sensible thing that the Cowboys would want to do. Stephen A went, not for me. What do you mean, you scared? You scared? That's when I laughed out loud. That's a funny take to me. That has heat on it that has humor and that has delivery really good delivery um i like when he started listing the players <laughs> he's got he's cd lamb and he's a you know you got schultz and maybe he doesn't remember schultz's name or <laughs> dalton schultz maybe it evaded him that made me laugh it doesn't don't get bogged up in the details i'm on fire it's like when someone is just going you don't say you don't say well now hold on just go and you want to be incredulous no, 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 no. If I don't, don't make that face mean it boom I really liked that. And it wasn't too long. And it wasn't all screaming. It wasn't too loud. It wasn't too long. Wasn't too loud. Was funny. Had heat. And delivered. Um, guys, a nine. A nine. Stephen A. Smith wins. A nine over an eight. You just love to see it. That was a great matchup. Really good. I feel like that was a boxing match. 12 rounds. And Richard Sherman won all five of the first rounds. And then Stephen A. just came running and won the last seven rounds. Nine to eight. Stephen A. with his third win on Takes on Takes with his highest score. Richard Sherman shocked. Thought he had this thing. Was doing the victory dance. Was popping champagne. Was ready. Defeat. Stephen A. nine. Richard Sherman eight. Beautiful match. Shake hands. I hope we can do this again later. It was great. Pay-per-view viewers. I hope you loved it. I hope you got your money's worth. That's why we do.
takes, um, takes. That's it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, before we say goodbye, I have a list of 20 topics. Let's go to the Sky Cam. I'm going to take a walk over here next to uh, Pearl Jam and Ben Wallace and my uh, college banner, and I'm going to get a dart. This is a real-life dart board. I tell my kids not to mess with it because the darts are sharp as, sharp as hell. The darts are sharp as hell. Um, they're not magnets. They're not these little plastic ones that stick in the hole. These are the real deal right here. So uh, there's 20 topics that the producers have come up with, and I've not seen any of them, but... Whatever number I hit right here, I'll correspond to that. Oh, that was almost bullseye. What's going to happen the day I hit a bullseye? It wasn't, though. That is an eight. So then you go to topic number eight, and I got to just ad-lib something, and I'll share it with you as we leave. Number eight is... <sighs> go to karaoke song. All right. This almost came up recently because we were doing... Uh, it was at my brother's bachelor party in Memphis, and you know, things just got out of control, if you can believe that. And uh, we're like, let's go to late night karaoke. And if someone ever says the word karaoke, the K word, even if it's just you know, either you're headed there or you're there, or someone even references the idea that maybe that might come into your life, you immediately go into playlist panic. What am I singing? What am I going to do? Um, my, this is not the most satisfying answer, I'm sorry, because it's not a really well-known song. I can't tell you that I do brown-eyed girl, and my wife has brown eyes, and then everybody throws up. I don't do <sighs> baby got back, because I'm not 12 girls on stage at a bachelor party. Um, I don't do, uh, you know, unbreak my heart, because I think I'm at Carnegie Hall. I do a, a 90s song that, uh... Maybe some of you will know, maybe not. It's a song by a band called James, and the song is called Laid. And the whole song is about sex, which is my opening line before the song starts. I get up there and I say, hey, everybody, this song's about sex. Or if I've had a few beers and I feel like the place is crazy, I say, this song's about bleeping, but I don't say bleeping. And everyone goes, yeah! And then it's this song. If you were around in the 90s and you listened to alternative music, you would know it. It's like that song that's like, you think you're so pretty. Remember that song? This bed is on fire with passion and love. It's just all about that, and it's short. Here's the thing. Um, the major categories for choosing a karaoke song. One, you want the song to be familiar to the people in the bar. I don't come up strong in that category. I just don't. You don't want to sing some deep, deep cut, obscure thing that no one knows, because then they're just annoyed. I don't check that box. You want it to be pretty short. All right, don't get up there and do November Rain for nine minutes or whatever it is. This song is short. Def it's less than three minutes for sure if I had to look. Um, and then you want something that you can kind of pull off. It's annoying if someone gets up there and tries to sing that uh, song by The Darkness, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. It's a very strange song. It's all falsetto and weird. Or if like, it's a rap song, you have no idea what you're doing, like it's a Warren G thing and you can't even keep up with the lyrics, don't do that. So those are the three. Familiarity, um, brevity, and ability to pull it off. I hit two out of three boxes, uh, and it's fine. I just, I'm in my comfort zone, it's quick, it's easy. And I appreciate the people in the audience who do know that song. And uh, 
you know, like the bartender, oh man, I hear that one. I don't hear that one. I, I heard uh, Summer Lovin' from Greece 12 times last night, but I haven't heard Laid by James in years. Feel pretty proud of that. Feel pretty proud of you guys too. Uh, I'm out of here. I have to go to parent teacher conferences. Love you. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow with the last show of the week, the Thursday show. Until then, uh, what movie do you think Josh Allen does not want to talk about? We'll get into it. We'll figure it out. See ya.